0: So when I was growing up, um, my my parents kind of made me do a bunch of different sports that I was not good at. Um, I'm not blaming them. It was their pressure, though, and it was their genes that I inherited. So yeah, actually, it's their fault. I was not, I mean, one of the sports that I was very not good at, I was good at it for a really brief time in my life. I was good at baseball for a very brief moment. The moment between t-ball and the time when pitchers got good. So that time in between was like the sweet spot for me because that's what I would do. I would get up to the plate and um, I would just stand there and they would throw four balls in a row. I'm like, take my base or I get struck out. You know, that's one of the two. It was, but it would happen like the number number of times that I would get to base without swinging the bat um, were roughly 51% to my, you know, 49% of just standing there and having them throw three strikes and getting struck out. So I'm like, those are. They're not the worst odds in the world. And so I would just stand there. I would get up to the plate and be like, no, I'll just, they're not good at pitching. I'm not good at batting. So I'm gonna go walk. And it, 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 this was even in spite of the fact that my teacher or like the coaches and my parents were like, no, 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 just swing. Like just, just try, just go for it. And I'm like, yeah, but I could strike out. And they said, we, we would rather you tried and struck out. We'd rather you tried and failed than not to try and make it to base. So I quit baseball (laughs) because there's that thing there, there's, you know, um, even though, even though it's saying, we'd rather you tried and failed than just stand there and make it to the base. But what if I fail? And they're responsible. We "We don't care if you fail. Just try. But I don't know if if you have this. I don't know if you have the same thing I had that that there was this I don't want to try because I could fail. I don't want to try because I could fail. You know, think about how many, how many times like in this game, it's really easy, really easy for that to get in our brains because how many of the things we do, how much of the stuff that we get involved in, and it's all about okay just whatever you just don't screw up. Whatever you do, just don't mess up. Whatever you do, just don't say something stupid. Whatever you do, don't do something wrong. Whatever you do, just don't embarrass yourself. And so we can hear those things like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do these other things, so often that we can begin to associate success with not doing something. If as long as you just don't do that thing, you're a success. We're going to begin to associate a success with what a person has avoided doing rather than what a person has actually done. Because we are afraid of the F word. The other F word. Not what you're thinking. We're <laughs> it's, it is four letters. We're afraid to fail. We're afraid to fail. So better not to try than to try and to fail. So you know, I've been praying about this last three weeks. We have three weeks left on campus. And we will have a baccalaureate mass after graduation. So that's our three three Sundays right in a row. And this last these last this last homestretch, I was like, I don't want to do a series because this is have you know three independent Sundays. And then the Lord was like, No, dude, you got. He calls me, dude, Father, dude. You got to do the thing. And the the series that the Lord introduced um, to us for these last three weeks is #hashtag fail. Because we realize that this is, the, this is the, one of the, the key things. About, you ever see those fail videos? I love fail videos so much. Whether they're named like in Monster Fail, or they're Epic Fail, or you know, failarmy.com. It's just one of my favorite websites. It's, it's bookmarked in my folder. Um, I like to see the fail. I don't like to do the fail. Something really interesting about those people on the fail blogs, fail blogs or fail videos though, they're all trying something. Again, when it comes to all, all every one of those fail videos, yeah, they're all failing, but they're all trying something. Now, I'm not recommending this. I mean, honestly, how many times do you have to watch a video of someone trying to jump from a roof to the pool to realize you don't always make it? <laughs> Let's just, here's a side point, right quick. Just, I just, we, I have to say, this is a public service announcement. If you ever have that sense of like, I think I can make that ju- I think I can jump that far. And there's a big chasm there. Here's my recommendation to you: Measure out how far that is. Put two strips of tape on the lawn, and see if you can jump from one strip to the other. If you can't, don't jump off the roof. <laughs> Anyways, we're in the midst of this last, the last piece of the semester, and it can be to to have that the idea of failure can be really right, staring us right down the in staring us in the face. We can look at exams like, I'm afraid to fail. We can look at our presentation, I'm afraid to fail. You, have, many of you, in the next couple of days, you have the presentation of your life so far. I'm afraid to fail. You have your senior recital, I'm afraid to fail. You're, you're interviewing for, for jobs, you're interviewing for grad school, and I just don't wanna fail. Why, because I think so many of us We don't wanna risk because we don't wanna face the consequences of trying and failing. Because I think so many of us have been conditioned to see failure as final and losing as lasting. And so many of us have been conditioned by this, to see failure, that's final, that's the end. And then when we lose, that's lasting. But you know it's not the end. I know you might think it's like, well, Father, I get it. Like, you know, the, the fail a test is not the end of the story. To, to fail a presentation is not the end of the story. But you don't understand. Like, I, you don't know how I've failed. And I can imagine there's some people here in this place this morning who'd say, yeah, 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 that's nice and everything. But you don't know how I've failed. I've encountered a loss that there is no recovery from. So maybe for other people, Failure isn't final. For maybe for other people, losing isn't lasting, but you don't know my story. My story is that I'm done. It's over. And so this whole like hashtag fail thing is, is paralyzing. And I know that, but I know that also some of, some of you also know better than that. Some of you know what it is that, that, that to have losing be your lesson. That it was that time where failure was your turning point. That you had to lose. You lived through this already. You had to lose what you thought you couldn't live without in order to gain what you never knew you needed. For as many of us here who think that, no, failure is final, there are so many others who have lived through it and we realize, no, actually, I had to fail in order to be free. I had to fail in order to be free. Because there's this thing called perfectionism that affects and afflicts so many of us. That I'm not free to fail. And that, 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 that perfectionism, one of the things it does is you say, no, no, my perfectionism drives me. And it might, to a point. But then what happens is your perfectionism holds you back. Because it means that I can't try. Because what if I try and I fail? So rather than trying and failing, I'm not going to try and I'll be perfect. I'll just avoid trying and I'll avoid failing. Because I'm not going to do this because I might fail. It's so one of the reasons I love this, I heard this story of a dad who, um, from, from his grown children, he, this, this, per, this guy said, when I was growing up, my dad would ask us at the end of the day, hey, where'd you fail today? But just, he asked, that was the question at the end of the day, sitting around the kitchen table it, for supper, was where'd you fail today? And this person said he was actually disappointed if we couldn't give him an example of where we failed because he's like, that means he didn't try. That means you didn't get stretched. That every day you should experience some kind of failure because that means every day you actually got up out of bed and lived. That means every day you got up out of bed and you tried. Because you, learned, you we learned that losing is learning when you're free to fail. But again, so many of us are stuck with this perfectionism, especially when we come here. Especially when, we come to, when it comes to following Jesus. We have this idea that, no, I'm not free to fail when it comes to following Jesus. That I have to be perfect. We have to pretend to be perfect. To be a follower of Jesus is never to fail. And then you have to ask the question in response to that, have you never read the Bible? Like, have we never heard the story we just heard? This is what? This is the day of the resurrection. And Jesus appears to all the disciples and walks among them, even though the doors are locked. Why are they locked? Because They're afraid. And Jesus appears to them and every person he's looking at, right in the eye, is a loser. Every person in that room has failed Jesus. Every one of those apostles, they've failed him. So to say, well, I have to follow Jesus, I can't fail, I have to follow Jesus, I can't lose, I have to follow Jesus, I have to be perfect, is absolutely getting the story exactly backwards. You can be so afraid to fail, but failure is not final. In fact, in fact, it's even more. Failure is the necessary precondition for God's greatest gift. Let me say that again. Failure is the one necessary precondition for God's greatest. What's God's greatest gift? You say, well, okay, okay, God has so many gifts. He's given us, right? So God's gift of life, the universe, that's a pretty nice gift. Um, gets better. The, your life, even greater gift. What about, um, he's given me the, you the gift of faith. Awesome, wonderful. The gift of hope. Great, so good. He's given you the gift of eternal life. That's a fantastic gift. Blessings, all the blessings in your life, those still don't even come close to God's greatest gift. And what is God's greatest gift? It was like love, okay, yes, but a certain kind of love. Love that we know we don't deserve. That love has a name and that name is mercy. The greatest gift God has ever given is mercy. What's mercy? Mercy is the love we know we don't deserve. Mercy is the love. Mercy is the love that God gives to those who have failed. Mercy is the love that God gives to those who have failed. And the thing about, the thing about mercy is you have to need it before it can be given. If you don't need mercy, God can't give it to you. If you haven't failed, God can't be merciful to you. In fact, the precondition, the one necessary precondition for God to love you in this way, that you've never been loved before, his greatest gift is that you've actually failed. That is the necessary precondition. We have to need it before it can be given to us. That's why Jesus comes into the locked room. And what does he say? He says to his apostles, he says, shalom, peace, peace. It goes even further. He says, has the Father sent me? As mercy itself, I now send you. Think about this incredible gift that Jesus in this moment, he forgives them of their sins. And then what's he do? He says, now I've forgiven you of your sins and breathes on them and give them the ability to hear confessions and forgive others of their sins. Those who sins you forgive are forgiven. Those who sins you don't forgive and retain. They're retained. And even how, how John ends the gospel today. He says, Jesus did many other things that aren't written in this book, but these have been written. Why? Because you don't believe it. These have been written. Why? Because after all Jesus has done, you're still so afraid to fail that you don't believe you can trust him when you've fallen. These have been written. Why? So that you can come to believe that he is the Christ and that by believing, you can have life in his name. What is it to believe other than to trust him after you've failed that's why this whole, that's why John says, this is the whole reason I wrote this book. The whole reason I wrote the Gospel of John, named after me, whatever, no big deal, is that after you hear these stories, you'll know, wait a second. I am free to fail because I'm free to trust that failure is not final. You know, even though John wrote those words 2,000 years ago, You and I, we're still afflicted with this fear. Even though he wrote these these, these words, and even though the church has said again and again, listen, you're Catholics, brothers and sisters, you are free to fail. You're free to try again. You're free to trust him. We don't do it. In fact, that's our greatest, our greatest wound is that after everything God has done for us, we don't trust him. He ask the question, like, what more could Jesus do? I mean, you guys, you walk into a Catholic church anywhere in the world, and what's kind of the prominent artwork? It is a man on a cross basically saying, do you have any idea how much I love you? And we walk in and say, yeah, 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 as long as I don't mess up. What the cross proclaims is you are free to fail. And you're free to trust the one who always gives you this thing, this mercy, which is love for those who have failed. Love for those who know they don't deserve love. But we still don't get it. So what happened uh, in 1930, back in the day, there's this girl, her name was uh, Sister Faustina. She was a Polish young woman and she's in her 20s at this time. And Jesus appears to her and starts giving her all these visions, starts giving her this message. And the message is what today's Sunday is named after, the message of divine mercy. And basically, after all these messages, there's kind of three things that Jesus was trying to communicate to Faustina to communicate to the world. One is this image. This image is standing right here. This is the image of divine mercy. And Jesus is basically saying, listen, here is what I want you to know about me. Here's what I want this world that has fallen into so much discouragement and so much darkness and so much woundedness and so much lack of trust, here's what I need you to know about me, is that he's walking out this door and what's happening, he's walking towards you. If you go come here later on after Mass and look at his feet, he's walking towards us. He's not running away from us, he's saying, I actually want you. And what is this? What is this? His pierced hand is raised. How is it raised? His pierced hand, right? So there's wounds there. Just like in the Gospel today. What's it raised? It's not raised in a fist. It's not, God, I'm here to crush you. This is not Divine Vengeance Sunday, you guys. This. Divine Justice Sunday? No, this is Divine Mercy Sunday. He raises his hand in blessing, pointing to his heart, and what comes out of his heart are these two rays, blue rays and red rays. The blue rays stand for baptism, that I want to wash you clean. The red rays stand for the Eucharist, which is my blood given for you. And at the bottom of this image are those five words, and in the center of that sentence is the one word, Jesus, I trust in you. And so this image is an image where where, um, Jesus said, come to this image and trust in me. Second thing God, Jesus gave to us through St. Faustina was Divine Mercy Sunday. As I mentioned this, um, it's so crazy to think about this. um, At one point on New Year's Eve, Jesus gave Faustina a vision of the sins of the world that were happening at that very moment. Just a glimpse of the sins happening that night on on New Year's Eve. You can imagine. So Faustina had this image for an instant. That was all it was. That was all she could take. She said it was all she could do not to have her heart broken in her chest. And after she saw this, she looked at Christ and she said, Jesus, how could you possibly still love us? Could have been the same thing last night. Could have been the same thing Friday night. If we had a glimpse of really the things that we choose and how much they wound the Lord, we could ask the same question. Jesus, honestly, how could you possibly still love us? But here's what Jesus said. He said, I'm sending you, Faustina, with my mercy to the people of the whole world. I do not want to punish aching mankind. You're hurting. You've failed. You've fallen. You're wounded. He goes on to say, I desire to heal it. I don't desire to punish aching mankind. How can you still love us? Listen, I'm not here to punish. I'm here to heal. And he went on to say, on this day, Divine Mercy Sunday, the second gift, right? The first gift is the image. The second gift is the Sunday. He says, on this day, the very depths of the, my tender mercy are open, and I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the fount of my mercy, that no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be like scarlet. And so the promises associated with this, I mentioned at the beginning of Mass. If you go to confession on this day and receive Holy Communion on this day, it's, it's like the day of your baptism. You're made completely new. Jesus promised this. So we have the image. We have Divine Mercy Sunday. So, I'm sorry. You're like, shoot, we have a question before Mass. 45 minutes. You're right. we also, at the end of this Mass, I will go, I'm going to go to the end of the, the room. I'll make a break left, and I'm going right behind that little divider, and I'll hear confessions as long as you need, because this is the day that Jesus has said, I want to make you as new as I possibly can, as you possibly can be made new, like the day of your baptism. So if you need to get prepped for that, for the rest of this mass, get prepped for that, for the rest of this mass. But the third gift God gave, Faustina, not just the image, not just Sunday, he gave this prayer called the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And it's this prayer, he prayed on rosary beads, and he has all these promises associated with it. In fact, in in your bulletin, there's these, I think it's 12 promises, am I right, am I wrong? Uh, 12 promises, maybe 14, I don't know, I'm not good at math. Promises in your bulletin associated with those who prayed the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And he said, Jesus said this, he said, by saying the chaplet, you're bringing humankind closer to me. And the souls that say this chaplet will be embraced by thy mercy during their lifetime, and especially at the hour of their death. You know, it's so interesting, the power of this, power of this chaplet is kind of the last thing. Especially when we feel like we failed. Especially, no, 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 especially when we actually have failed. The power of the chaplet, the power of God's mercy when we've failed so hard that it's over for us. There's this nun, uh, her name is Sister Gaudia, she's from Poland, she's actually part of St. Faustina's community. She just was in my hometown about a month ago, Brainerd. She was there with another sister, Sister Veritas, and they they spoke to my my family, talked to the people of of the parish, and it was remarkable, they told this story, and this true story, back back in Poland, it had just happened a number of years ago, where there's a uh, relatively young priest he was in a hospital and he was visiting some of his parishioners and he's walking down the hallway of this hospital. Um, there's this nun who stopped him and said, Father, can you go into this room, this hospital room? There's a man, he's on his deathbed. He's been here for days, um, but he chases everyone away. We, we've asked priests to go in and he chases everyone away. People, he doesn't want to talk about Jesus, but he's dying. Could you please just like, just go and visit him? The priest says, okay, fine, no, no problem, I'll go in. He, went, he goes in and he says, hey, um, you know, I'm Father so-and-so. Would you like to talk? The guy And the guy just erupts, like absolutely starts cursing at him and yelling i him like, no, I don't want anything to do with you. Just take your stuff. Get out of here. And so angry, so mad. And so the priest is like, okay, gotcha. It happens to us as priests in hospitals. Like, I understand. And he left. He went in the hallway and there's a nun still there. She's like, could you go back in? And he's like, sister, I, he, he doesn't want confession. He doesn't want anything I have to offer. She's like, but could you, could you just go back in? Just give it another chance. So the priest, normal guy, right? He's like, okay, I'll go back in. He knocks on the door again. He says, come on in. He says, okay, I'm not going to ask if you want to go to confession. I'm not going to ask if you want Holy Communion. Is it okay if I just sit here next to your bed and pray the chaplet? This old man, he looks and says, I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. So the priest sits down and starts praying the words of the chaplet. And one of the prayers in the, in the chaplet of Divine Mercy is this. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. And as the priest says, he's praying that out loud, just praying it quietly, softly. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. And after he says it a couple times, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world, the man says, stop it. The priest looks up and says, why? He says, because there is no mercy for me. And the man says, the priest asks the man, he says, why do you think there's no mercy for you? And this dying man says, you don't, you don't, it doesn't matter. No, and the priest says, no, no, why do you think that there's no mercy for you? He says, okay, fine, I'll tell you. He says, 25 years ago, I was working at, for the rail, railroad station. And my job was to lower the, the train, the railroad arm, crossing guard arm, when a train would come to prevent cars from going on the tracks. But one night, I did this, it was my job, and I was drunk. So I didn't lower the crossing guard arm. And a mom and a dad and their three kids were on the tracks as a train came and they were all instantly killed. And that was my fault. So there is no mercy for me. That, like, I've failed. And it's over. If he sat there, looking at his hands, looking at the rosary, pray the chaplain on the rosary, he's looking at the rosary, and he says, um, wait, where was this? He told him, gave him the name of the Polish town. So it was 25 years ago, he said, The priest looks up at the man, he says, 25 years ago, my mom and my dad, taking my little siblings on a trip I couldn't go with them, and they were driving through this small town, and for some reason, the crossing guard arm on the train tracks wasn't lowered. So as they were crossing the tracks, a train came and killed my mama and my dad, and my siblings. And I, I lost my whole family that night. He looks at the man, and he says, my brother, God, Forgives you. Not only that, I forgive you. The man comes to this place where he recognizes what where he was and what was happening and realized that God's mercy was for him, that he failed, but failure was not final. And so he the priest said, Well, would you would you let me hear your confession and give me give you the Eucharist? So the man makes his confession receives Holy Communion. Two days later he dies. Because mercy wins. Because failure is not final. The priest it goes on it's a really cool story. The priest goes into the hallway and is like, where's the nun? You know, because she got thanks, nun. Um, and then she can't find her, so he asks the administration, hey, who's the nun who's here or there? we don't actually employ any nuns at this hospital. He doesn't know who she is for, for years, he doesn't know, anyone. and then he goes to um, this, uh, the town of Vagivniki, uh, which is where uh, St. Faustina was, and he goes to the convent to say mass for the, the nuns there, and he sees a painting on the wall of St. Faustina, and he says, hey, I met that nun a couple years ago. And they're like, no, Father, you did not, she's been dead since 1938. And he says, that's the nun who told me to go into that room, he told me to go back into that room. Because failure is not final. Not when it comes to Jesus. So here it is. Question, what if I trust again? What if you trust again? What if you try again? What if he forgives you again? What if he lifts you up again? And what if if after all that you fail again? Well, (laughs) then you'll simply trust again. And you'll simply try again. See, you guys, to be Catholic is to be free to try again. To be Catholic is to be free to trust in Jesus. To be Catholic is to be free to fail.